Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westernroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6, and if you are able, I'll invite you to stand to your feet with me as we read in honor and reverence of God's word. It's Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. And we do have it on the screen in case you don't have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Those are big words already. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. And then here's the golden rule for living. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I know it's already anointed, but I'm a human being, and I need your anointing, and I ask it this morning um, to permeate my mind and my heart and then out of my mouth. And so, God, may these be your words that I speak, and I thank you as we come around your word. We have an opportunity to choose to live the way Jesus asks us to live as believers. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to direct our steps and our path and our decision-making processes. But Lord, I thank you that we don't have to be like everyone else. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. I ask this today in your name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Jesus' kingdom is upside down. It's backwards. It's opposite. And, you know, there are a lot of things, if I stop and think about it, that I go about my day sometimes just like everyone else. And there's nothing wrong with brushing your teeth like everyone else and eating like everyone else. But when it comes to the kingdom, it is important that we live life according to what Jesus has modeled and laid out for us rather than just going with the flow. So if you call yourself a Christian, it's going to take intentionality on your part. And that's why we use the word set apart or sanctification, that when you become a Christian, you are set apart unto God for His purpose. And therefore, the way I live my life better be different than the way my neighbor who does not know Jesus perhaps lives. And so the question then is, when someone on the outside would look at my life and maybe the life of a non-believer, do they see evidence of Jesus in me? Because if there's no evidence, I could say all I want, but it doesn't measure up to the task. 
And so it is very important when Jesus is saying, this is how we live, that we're paying attention and not just hearing it through our ears, but then saying, okay, how do I live this out practically? What does this look like when I'm with, uh, when I'm with Tom in the lunchroom or when they're inviting me to go out after work uh, in, in Quebec? I don't know if it's a thing like saint cassette, 5 to 7 p.m. It's drinking time. And what, what is that called here? Happy hour. There you go. Because you worked all day as a miserable human being. And you got to go have happy hour before you go back to your family. I don't know. But the kingdom of God is opposite. I don't have to be miserable at work 9 to 5 to then find 2 hours to be happy. I have the joy of the Lord, and the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when I go about my day, it's opposite. I can be joyful at work. By the way, even if you don't like your job in the present moment, you can still have joy. Even if you're walking through a circumstance and it's very difficult, you can still choose joy. And so it's not based on what I'm going through. That's how the world operates. So we just want to lay some foundational things that Jesus said. Because Jesus, we read it, he's showing us how do we live in this opposite spirit. Notice it's not behavior, it's the spirit by which we're living life. And if you're a Christian, your life should be led and governed by the Holy Spirit. And so even as Jesus was teaching these things in Luke chapter 6, you also find it again in Matthew chapter 5. People actually turned away when he said these things. He lost followers because these teachings were difficult for them to understand and live out. And so many turned away from him. And, And here's the reality. And you might feel like this. Hey, after all, it seems as though the wicked go unpunished while God's children are held accountable. Anyone ever feel like that? Why do I have to do this when, when those people could just do whatever they want? Why do I have to be committed to this and live faithfully while those people, they seem like they're blessed. Their business is prospering. They got the new house or the new car, but they don't serve the Lord. You ever feel like that? But listen, it may be how you feel, but in the spiritual realm, the opposite is happening. And let me just break something down for a second. Human nature, we buy things to make us feel what? Good. And there might be a void, and we're trying to fill the void by feeling happy. And so maybe it's shopping and it's new clothes and shoes. Maybe it's food because we just want the satisfaction of feeling somewhat satisfied for a time. Maybe it's in these other areas. Hanging out with the guys. It is the the happy hour. I don't know. Fill in the blank. But really all it's trying to do is to mask what, what's really under the surface. So you might see new house, new car, and the money maybe for the neighbor is not the thing, but deep down there's pain. Deep down they're trying to fix a broken relationship with stuff, but really the brokenness remains, and then what's new then becomes used again. And the shiny things become tarnished. And really, have they made any progress? So don't let your eyes determine success. Listen, 
It may be how you feel. Oh, they're blessed and here am I. But in the spiritual realm, more than likely the opposite is happening. You act in a way that is contrary to what is expected in our world. That's what it means to have the opposite spirit. You act in a way that is contrary to what is expected in our world. And this is what in Luke 6, Jesus was putting his finger on for those who are willing to hear and to listen. But listen, the Holy Spirit living in us allows us to respond positively which is contrary to the negativity that is coming our way. And this is how we live a life led by the Spirit in the opposite sense. So if someone punches me, you know, I played soccer growing up. You kicked me in the shin. I'm going to get you back on the next whistle, the next play. And this is, you know, a tooth for tooth, an eye for an eye. But Jesus was saying, this is not how we do it. You got hit, give them the other cheek too. And it's not to be a smart aleck either and say, yeah, hit me here. And then see what's coming. It's not that spirit. It's called a laying down of the pride. And it's actually dealing with how humble we're supposed to be. And he says, if someone asks you in Matthew 5 to carry their coat one mile, carry it two. Meaning, go the extra distance. Go the extra mile for people. Why? Because they're going to look at you like, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with this person that, you know, he's supposed to be offended by what I said, and yet he, he's, it's like he's unfazed. You know, I've had at least a handful of opportunities, even as a pastor, to be offended and to want to pay back someone for the evil that they've done. Not all pastors are, you know, we take off our gloves too sometimes. But there have been opportunities, and my wife knows, I, I can't share this publicly, but where I've, I've had to take the higher road. Not pride, not to say, see, I'm better than you. No, it's, I feel like doing this in the flesh, but I would be no different than the world if I do this. The opposite spirit says, I was, I'm hurt, I'm offended, but it's okay, I'm going to take my burdens to the Lord. If there's opportunity to reconcile what happened, like two adults, we can do that. Um, and you don't hold a grudge, there's no animosity, or, well, I hope God strikes you down. We're no different than the world, if we think like that, or if we speak like that. But the truth is, we're all human, and we all have that tendency. Yes? Am I the only one? Come on. Some of you play sports. You're like, next next time I'm on the ice, I'm going to lay into that guy and put him into the boards. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, whatever, fill in the blank as to how you would do it. I don't want to be like the world. That's right. I don't want to be like everyone else. God has set me apart. He's put his spirit in me that I might follow hard after him, not the world. I don't, I don't do things like the world. At least we ought not to. And so... When we're speaking of the opposite life, the opposite life leads us to exchange generosity for greed. Right? So I'm giving you the opposite. This is what we do. We exchange peace for stress. Because if I said we exchange stress for peace, then I'm just doing it the opposite way. We're doing it the other way around. So I'm going to give excellence where others give laziness. 
I'm going to exchange silence and wholesome words for gossip. I'm not going to engage. Instead, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to exchange forgiveness and kindness for slander. So if someone's slandering you, you don't, you don't go around tearing them down behind their back. No, forgiveness and kindness. It's the opposite way of the kingdom. Luke 6, we, we, we're going to skip a few verses, but I want to read verse 35. And here's what it says. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. I just want to stop for a second. Actually, love your enemies. I believe it was in Matthew 5. Um, that root word for enemies in the original Greek, it's not just like Justin Trudeau, the government, like, like some organization, but, but it has a personal connotation on it, as if like a, a personal enemy, someone you know by name, or that you see face to face, not like some distant idea of an enemy in your life. And so, um, just if that adds a little more insight, it could be in your home, in your close quarters, in your family, your workplace. And so love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. It's an opposite way of life. Because the natural way is, well, I'll, the banks charge interest, I'm going to charge interest. But it says lend without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be what? Very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Did you hear that? He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So what Jesus wants us to also understand is God models what He expects from you and me. He is willing to love those who don't love him. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. It's not like God said, well, love me first, then I can show you love. He, he showed us the opposite way already. While we were still far gone, deep in our sin, he sent our Savior, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins on the cross. The opposite way of living. It says he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And so God rewards us when we move in the opposite spirit. It says, great will your reward be. And so, I don't know about you, but if I stop and think about this, Lord, my prayer has to start sounding more like this. Help me to lay down my flesh. Because it has its own desires. Part of 21 days of prayer and fasting is we're saying no to the flesh. King stomach. We're going to dethrone king stomach. And, and we're going to say, Holy Spirit, that you might increase. If some of you say, well, if God's speaking, how come I can't hear his voice? Prayer and fasting is a time where we're going to put those things to rest. And we're going to fine tune our spiritual ears to hear what God is saying. And it, I liken it to a radio station where I know 680 News is always on. Always on. But I can choose whether I want to tune into that station or not. 
And, and so in the same way, God is speaking, and my prayer has to be, Lord, if I'm not hearing you, it's not an issue with you and your ability to speak to me. It's an issue with my hearing or my ability to hear. Lord, help me position myself in these 21 days to hear your voice. And when I hear it, help me to obey. And oftentimes what he tells us might be contrary or opposite to what I was thinking this whole time. Going about a situation, maybe you have decisions to make. Hearing his voice matters because it might be, hey, you got to do something that you didn't think you have to do. And let me just get a little personal and give you an illustration. To become the pastor at Weston, I was already on staff and I was associate pastor overseeing worship and young adults. And I loved what I was doing. I, I'm like, I was born for music. I, this is what you made me for. And then when there was a transition in the senior pastor position, the board said, we would like you to lead in the interim. And I thought, whew, okay, um, I, I could do it, you know. And, and I literally thought to myself, and I said to my wife, I give it three weeks before this goes down because I don't know if I could do this. And then within six months, the board said, we want you to consider being our lead pastor. And it felt completely opposite to everything I was feeling. I was trying to encourage the board, hey, we should put a search committee together. We need to start like interviewing pastors because I wanted to go back to worship and to young adults. And they said, would you consider the position? And I said what you're supposed to say. I'll pray about it. But in my heart, I was like, I'm not cut out for this. But when you say you have, you're going to pray, you should pray about something. And it took me at least four months to hear from heaven. And it's not that I was trying to be cold. You know, for those of you who are on the board, you might remember. But I remember Pastor DiStallo met with me for lunch. And he said, um, hey, Jonathan, he goes, the board needs a response eventually. Um, so... By then, I said, Pastor David, the, I have the answer already because I heard from God. And it was completely opposite from what I thought or what I was feeling on the inside. But when you hear his voice, it's not just so you can feel good. Yeah, I'm a spiritual being. I can hear his voice. It's meant to move you in his direction that he's calling you to. So when he spoke to my heart, I told my wife, I'm like, babe, this is the answer. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. And God confirmed it many different ways for her and for me. And then I said, yes. And here we are today. That was in 2016. And it's just a testimony because it was completely opposite of what I thought, how I thought all of this should go. And you're here today. And I believe God's going to speak in these next 21 days. And when you hear his voice... Don't harden your heart. It's, he's softening it so that when you hear his voice, you will obey what he's asking of you. God rewards us when we move in the opposite spirit. Can I say, my life today is far more blessed than it was in, in those, those days, if I can say it that way. Because I've said yes to what he had for my life. And my prayer for each and every one of us is, you would say yes to what God is leading you to do. Not what you think with your head is best, but what he's speaking to you. And you might feel it, and we use this expression like, my gut tells me. 
That's, I would say, a worldly way of defining what you feel. It might feel like it's your gut, but I believe it's deep in your belly where the Spirit is prodding and, and pushing you forward. So you might say, I trust my gut. I would rather use this kind of language. I trust the Holy Spirit who's in me. And He's leading me, and this is what I'm feeling that He's impressing on my heart. And so Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This is the New King James Version. And I'm putting this verse in this message at this time because this is a backwards way of living. If you think about it, the world says, hey, if you have a desire to do this, then pursue your dream, go for it, dive in, uh, do the career, do the education, whatever it is that you feel is best, go and do that thing. And that is not necessarily the way of the kingdom. Um, so when you read Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and what is righteousness, the way I live does matter. And all these things shall be added to you. I want to read it in the NLT, New Living Translation says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And he will give you everything you need. So the opposite life, if you're taking notes, this is the title of today's message. The way up is down. The way up is down. And what I mean by down is on your knees. What I mean by down is in humility before the Lord. The way up is down. And so, again, looking at Matthew 6.33 for a second, the world would say, put your needs first. So it'll say, climb that career ladder. Climb it as high as you can. Climb the social ladder and get, get that status Climb the influence ladder. You know, social influence or uh, influencers, it's a buzzword. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? YouTube, I'm an influencer, social media influencer. All of these things are 10-year-old kids. When you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? A YouTuber. Because they see influence. And these influencers, they get brand deals. They, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's the lane God's called you to run in. I have a YouTube channel with worship and drums that has almost 80,000 subscribers now. Not because I'm out there trying to... It's just God has given me a platform to minister in this way. We have other people in our church. I know you have YouTube channels and God is blessing as you use that platform for His honor and glory. I'm not bashing influencers. <clears throat> but the world would say, gain influence. What is the opposite? Just for a second, uh, I would say, well, authority is way different than influence. So you can have influence and no authority. You can have authority in the spiritual realm and no influence in one sense. But, but I would rather authority because Jesus gave and delegated his authority to the church. Can you say amen? And so we've been given the Holy Spirit as power, dunamis, to be a bold witness. But, but not just the power to be a bold witness. He delegated the authority to us 
And that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We speak in the name of Jesus and we have authority. So the world will say, if you want influence, go, go be an influencer. Chase that. Chase the influence ladder. Chase the fin- or climb, I should say, the financial ladder. You know, do everything you can to gain wealth. Uh, step on people's heads if you have to, to get a little higher. Or maybe it's the family ladder to be next of kin or next in line for an inheritance. Whatever that might look like. But this is what the world would say. Put your need first. You want it? You go get it, girl. You go get it, guy. But what does Jesus say? And and let me go one step further. Rather, what does Jesus do himself? And I want to look at that in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read it for you. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. When I was a young person, I used to read Philippians chapter 2. And it speaks about the attitude of Christ. Not because I had an attitude problem as a young person. But it just spoke to the humility of Jesus. And I wanted to be more like Him. And so here's what it says. Philippians chapter 2. I'll begin reading at verse 3. It says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let me stop just for a second. When was the last time you met up for coffee with someone, not to ask a favor or see what you could get out of the relationship, but rather just to have coffee to see how they were doing. I'm just going to put it there. It's the opposite way. It's, hey, can we meet for coffee? And right away people are like, what are they trying to ask? What, are they, what do they need? But what if we had no agenda except how are you? Is there anything you need? Is there anything I could pray with about? So he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And this is it. Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges... He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, as a result of what? His humility, as a result of submitting himself to that kind of punishment and death, It says, verse 9, therefore God elevated him. Say elevated. God lifted him up. God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see the picture? The way up is down. So Jesus modeled it when he put on flesh. And we just talked about it through Christmas. Um, Much more than a baby in a manger. 
But Jesus gave up his rights and lived a life on this earth like you and me, but humbled himself to the point of dying a criminal's death on the cross. And then the Bible says, because of that, therefore, God elevated him to the highest place. And he's given him the name above every other name. So there's authority. That's where we get the authority in the name of Jesus. And when you understand this, Jesus didn't just say, love your enemies. Jesus lived it out. They were mocking him. They were abusing him. And he was quiet. He didn't say, he was a man of very few words. But he knew that this I have to do because of the love of, of the Father. And Jesus in his humanity, if you remember, said, pray three times, God, if this cup could pass from me, please let it happen. But nevertheless, let your will be done, not mine. So Jesus in Philippians 2, as we read it, he's modeling what this could look like in life as we live it out. It's, it's not the proud way of living. It's the humble way of going about your life. It's not about, hey, I'm a big shot. Do you know who I am? Do you know my name? No, it's I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so... Man, could we look more like Jesus? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the more we live this opposite life, the, the bigger the contrast is going to be from the world. And it's not like, they might say, what's wrong with this guy to themselves? But there's a curiosity that is, is sparked in them to wonder, why are you the way you are? And the answer is simple, it's Jesus. It's like, why are you joyful in the midst of sorrow or pain? It's Jesus. When my mom died, I had the opportunity yesterday to speak with someone who's not a believer yet. I add yet because there's an opportunity still. And, and he asked me a question and, about my mom and all this stuff. And he couldn't wrap his head around it. He's like, but, but wouldn't you say, like, why would God let that happen? And he's like, I know it's not the right time. I go, no, no, it's okay. Let's go there. What if we never get the, another opportunity? Yeah. And I said, listen, I don't know. And I said, as a family, we had those questions the week leading after my mom's death. It was a sudden car accident. Like, like, we didn't expect anything. But we just had to come to the realization that on this side of eternity, we probably will never understand Let's speak about opposite life for a second in that week after my mom died. I had friends from high school come up to me and saying, you know, the guy that hit them, we want to know him so we can go and take care of business. And my friend was serious. He's like, he killed your mom. She was a saint. She served the Lord. Like, he, you know, this is what should be coming. And I said, no, that's not the way we go about it. We've prayed for him. We've forgiven him. It's the opposite life, the opposite spirit than what the world operates. When I got back to work, there was a, a man. I was working at FedEx part-time and part-time at Emmanuel Church in Montreal. And, and I went back to FedEx, and there was a guy looking for me. They go, hey, hey have you seen Lorne? 
And I was like, no, what's up? And I've shared this, but I'm going to give you a very brief version for the opposite life example. But while I was away on vacation, a short, like, short time after my mom passed, I shared the story with my colleagues because they asked. And um, I got back from vacation. And while I was away, this guy, Lorne, his mom died out of a complication from a surgery with the hospital. The, the surgeon messed up or something happened. And he, he grew up in church when he was young, he said, but he was not serving the Lord at all. And he swore the worst out of everyone at FedEx. And, and he said to me, he goes, I was looking for you because I'm so angry. And he goes, I don't know how you dealt with it, but maybe you can help me through this. And I said, Lorne, yeah, you want to get even. And, but I said, it's not going to change anything. The outcome is already established. What could change is how you're responding now. And so I said, can we pray? And so he gave me an opportunity, and he, called, he goes, thank you so much. I feel much better now. It didn't mean everything was fixed and cleared, but it was a step in the right direction. But here's the thing. People will see it and note, and there's a curiosity that's sparked and now they're going to come to you when trouble hits or when certain things happen. And it's an opportunity. Amen? It's an opportunity. So that's why I don't shy away from talking about my mom. Even at, at uh, this opportunity last night, it was probably not the best moment where I could, you know, get really deep into it because there were others around. But what if that's just the seed that the Holy Spirit needed? And, and someone else now is going to come along in the next day or two and, and going to water what God has begun in this man's heart. We never know. We never fully understand. But we are called to live in the opposite way. According to God's word, according to how his spirit leads and guides us. So Jesus modeled this for us. We read it in Philippians 2. And write this down. There is no higher calling than to be down at the feet of Jesus. There's no higher calling than to be down at the feet of Jesus. It's the posture of humility. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to kneel on your knees. I have a bad back and sometimes my knees, it, it doesn't work well. But it's more speaking of the posture of your heart. When we say you're bowing low before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, it's a posture of your heart saying, God, I'm before you. And I want to look at James chapter 4 and then 1 Peter chapter 5 as uh, we're going to wrap the message up in a minute or two. But James chapter 4, when I say a minute or two, like multiply it by five. Just that's like pastor language. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. How many of you want to be on the opposing side of God? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So in light of that, verse 7 says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close or draw close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So there's a, a tug on one side from God to live holy, to live pure, 
to live according to not the flesh, but the spirit. And then there's a tug on the other side, which is to live according to the flesh, do what pleases you, follow your heart's desires. And, and God is not a part of that equation, but we're invited to humble ourselves before God. Notice that scripture said he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That means you have God's hand of help in every way of life when you humble yourself before him. I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, kind of halfway through that verse. It says again, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So you mean I don't have to hold on to all of my worries? I don't have to sort through all of my issues and figure them all out myself? According to this passage, no. It says, cast all your cares. You ever go fishing and you cast your line out? It goes far away from you, hopefully. If there's a weight on it, maybe you add a bobber. And you ca- it goes far. And hopefully you catch a fish. That's how you're supposed to get rid of your worries. And when, not just like, oh, I'm going to forget about them as if they don't exist. But when you're, you're casting them to the Lord. So that means it's far enough from you that he's dealing with them first on your behalf. Cast your cares. Another translation says your anxieties on me for I care for you. Do you hear the last part? God cares for you. You hear that? God cares for you. So when he invites us, Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God, to live righteously, and then he promises, and all of the details of life will be added or taken care of, it's because he cares about you. And during our time of praying and fasting, that's part of what we're doing. We're laying these things down. And we're saying, God, I'm seeking you first in this new year. It, you know, fasting for the world, they, they understand fasting. If you say, I'm fasting, they'll be like, oh, yeah. Are you intermittent fasting? Is Like, how much weight do you want to lose? Um, there's health benefits. There are health benefits for fasting. But the reality is, those are byproducts of the spiritual practice of fasting, because as we fast, we're again, we're seeking the Lord, we're fine-tuning our hearing, and we're saying, God, I'm giving you this time. It is a time that is consecrated, set apart for you in this new year. Can you say amen? Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope listening to this week's sermon has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.